AI Mentors is brought to you by Aldus International, covering your business's staffing, consulting and networking needs. Our podcast, AI Mentors, hosted by Mark Kelly, brings you the leading minds in AI, sharing their story, their success and their advice. Focusing on fast-tracking you to the top, AI Mentors cuts through the hype to help you kickstart your data science career. Welcome to the AI Mentors podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kelly. Today's guest is Cameron Davis. Cameron is the former SVP Corporate Decision Sciences for NBC Universal. Prior to joining NBC Universal, Cameron spent over 18 years at Disney developing and leading advanced analytic teams for a variety of business areas. His final role was general manager, manager science and integration, leading the corporate COE for AI and machine learning. Prior to joining Disney, he spent his time as professor of finance for Penascola Christian College. Cameron, very welcome to the show today. Thank you, Mark. Glad to be here. Cameron, you've had a really, really varied uh, career uh, over, over the years. Uh, you know, really interesting to see that you made the move from academia where you actually went to teaching and then you got into industry as well. And people don't necessarily kind of uh, do that. They usually get into industry after, after academia and then they do some teaching on the side. How did you find uh, you know, applying your skills to solving business problems from coming from that kind of academic background and also maybe some of the things you've learned from that experience and maybe give us a little bit of a run through uh, your time at Disney and how you kind of went through the different ranks there. It was a lot of years ago, and certainly that path has changed from what it looks like now. Uh, when I was coming out of school, there was no such thing. Or nobody talked about data science or big data. Uh, I think I, my first programming was done with punch cards in my master's classes. So it, it has changed a lot. I, I wouldn't give up my academic career for the world. I loved being in the classroom. One of the great things about academia is it forces you to go deep in a set of areas and really learn the areas. And I very much appreciated that. And it served me well as I moved out of academia into kind of industry, which was a little bit harder to do back then, but still doable if, if you chose the right path. And it's, it's interesting that a lot of the challenges I faced aren't unlike what I see a lot of uh, young folks coming into the space today. Academia makes you go deep, but it also tends to narrow your focus a little bit. And so it, it makes it a little bit hard to see the bigger picture. So what I've learned through my career and, and some of the transition pains I had was really learning to think about things in a broader context. Uh, sometimes academia doesn't train you the best way and the, it, it will really focus on your IQ, but not necessarily on your EQ. And so I had to spend a lot of time learning how to work with people in a more specific way, learning to understand their needs, understanding the business needs, and then finally, business tends to be a little bit less forgiving and more pragmatic. So they want things to happen faster and they want it to be very applicable. Where in academia, it sometimes is enough just to find something interesting, uh, but not necessarily applicable. Uh, you know, in, in today's world, for example, there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of talk about the new killer hornet. It's interesting. It's scary. I don't own bees. Uh, and I typically run away from hornets anyway, so I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with that information. Uh, it, but it is interesting and entertaining. I see a lot of academics come to business with that same concept. Hey, look at this really cool thing I found. Great. What do I do with it? What do you mean? It's, it's just really cool. Aren't you excited? <laughs> like, yes, but um, you need to be pragmatic and applicable. And that's probably something I learned along the way. I was very blessed as I came through Disney, and Disney is such an amazing company 
because it lets you do a lot of things and they, they're really willing to invest in talent. So while I started my career in a logical place for an academia coming out of that space, which was in kind of finance and yield management, is that was just coming on board at Disney in the mid 90s and they were trying to build from 4,000 to 40 to 60 plus thousand room nights on property. Uh, yield was becoming a key element of theirs, that space. I was very lucky to hit the ground at the time. They'd made two amazing hires. One gentleman uh, by the name of Mark Schaefer, who ran Yield uh, for Continental Airlines and came over to work with them. And he's been a huge mentor of mine all these years and continues to be a good friend and mentor running that space there for Disney. And then another gentleman, Paul Nolan, who came from Marriott at the time, who, who had the cachet and gravitas to really get Disney to invest in the right spaces here when it came to analytics and yield management. Um, and so I started in that space, uh, started forecasting for deluxe room nights, and then got an opportunity to grow, run the yield teams, and then go off and do a number of other things within the company, working with food and beverage and merchandise and other spaces, writing deals at Epcot. And that gave me a very broad view of the business. And then in the mid 2000s we got an opportunity to go even broader as the success at the parks and resorts has been so great the senior leadership gave us the opportunity to go hey can you work ask if we could do things with media networks with movie studios with consumer products and we said yeah we think we can let's let's go do it and that kind of sponsored up what we eventually became the management science and integration team and eventually became now uh, for disney the corporate team that runs the center of excellence supporting all of those business areas. So it was a great journey uh, and a lot of hard work, but also some really amazing people and really amazing support to do some really cool things. Cameron, tell us about the importance of empathy and walking in people's shoes. And, you know, we were kind of talking uh, last week off air about you know, going on, you know, stuff that you did for ESPN, kind of getting to understand more about, uh, you know, what problems they need to solve. Because a lot of the time people coming into the world of data science when they get their first role, they don't necessarily think about what's keeping the CEO up at night and trying to really figure out the problems that they can actually solve and, the, you know, walking in their shoes. Maybe you could share some examples in, in that regard. Yeah, great question, Mark. I think when I think about what makes a successful analytics project, regardless of what the industry is, regardless of what the problem is, I tend to think of it as having what I call the five abilities. It needs to have five abilities or some function of those abilities to succeed. It needs to be valuable. And value comes in a lot of different ways as we talk about empathy. It could make me richer. That's valuable. Certainly um, economic value and ROI. It could make me cooler. <laughs> a lot of sales applications look like that. Uh, just could make things easier, or it could just make them faster. And all of those things drive value. And so you need to understand what the value equation is for your the people you're working with. It needs to be compatible. And this is a thing that people miss a lot when they, they think about this space and CEO. And they kind of miss this concept of, can this firm think this way? Does it fit with their culture? A real primary example here was years ago at Disney, when it came to yield management and pricing. And we, we used to worry about what was called the hot tub conversation. Two folks booked a room, they're sitting out in the hot tub and they say, hey, I got a great deal in my room and I pay $300 a night. And the guy's like, what the heck? I'm paying $600 a night and it's the exact same room. Um, 
some cultures aren't compatible with that. Like we will not charge different guests, different prices or different customers, different prices, depending on their willingness to pay. Um, and so those are just a, an example of some compatibility issues that, that happen within the work. So you need to understand that it needs to be simplifiable. And, and this is a, where a lot of academics miss. They want to go to a CEO and they want to use a lot of aggressive language and a lot of academic language like no it needs to be simple and straightforward i don't really care about the math i care about the results it needs to be segmentable which means it can be done in small parts and pieces hey you go to the ceo give me 50 million i'll give you back 100 million and the ceo is like that's a pretty big investment or that's a pretty big bet um can you do it smaller can you do it a little bit cheaper and faster and then it needs to be observable in terms of the results so all that plays as you start thinking about a business of how I go in and really understand what those things look like for them and what business need I'm meeting, what's the culture of the organization I'm in, I'm dealing with, how do I make it compatible, what's simple to them versus what's complex to them, how could I do this in a, in, in a very thoughtful rollout strategy, and what are the KPIs they're looking to observe and they're looking to accomplish. Uh, so for an example of that, years ago, when we started the MSI team at Disney, uh, we got the chance to go work with ESPN. And we, we sort of understood the media business, but we didn't really understand the media business the way they understood the media business. And so we could have just gone in with a set of, here's all these things we can do for you based on the reading we've done or some industry experts we have. Instead, we, 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 we kind of looked at the guy who run, ran marketing and sales at the time, a really awesome guy named Sean Bratches, and said, Sean, give us three months. Just give us three months to just learn how your business works. We won't learn everything, but we'll be smarter. We'll get to know your people and we'll understand what you're trying to accomplish. And we, we picked up people and we literally sent them up uh, to Bristol, Connecticut and went through ESPN's rookie camp, which is their, their employee training. And then we sent people to New York and they spent literally months shadowing marketing and salespeople as they did their jobs and heard what people were asking for, saw how the pitches worked, and really got to know those people and build relationships. And, and we came back and said, one of your first things you need to do, we're seeing there's this need here, and that is you don't really have a really good rear view window into what has happened in the past. Um, and one, we'll give you an example, which is every person we talked to, senior to other executives said, hey, as we get constrained in inventory, we raise prices. And everybody said that. It happens, it happens, it happens. And we showed Sean the data and said, look, it, it doesn't happen. <laughs> but you, we've pulled this data together. We've cobbled it together. And actually, in most cases, you start dropping price as you get more constrained because you get more constrained toward the end of the quarter and that's more when more salespeople are more likely to try to go meet their goals and they'll give up pricing to meet their goals. Uh, so you need just a better window before we get anything more complex into how you're performing. It's not gonna look like a lot of value. It's not gonna make you a lot of wealth uh, out of the gate, but it will make things more transparent and make things easier and faster for you. And that's where we started. And then eventually ended up building um, a tool called the proposal generation tool that really focused in on how they optimized offers uh, to their advertisers. But along the way, and the way we integrated that was in such a way that people could, it could fit with their culture, it could fit with their workflow, and it would work in a way that didn't intimidate people that were trying to use it.
Cameron, did you find that when you asked for three months where people like, you know what, that, that's a pretty long time because you know, the amount of work that you put into getting to understand the day in the life of the people that you are trying to help solve businesses for, for a lot of companies, they kind of do want resu- results you know, pretty, pretty quickly. You must have built up a lot of trust to kind of to, to get that buy-in. Yeah, no doubt. You know, we were lucky because we had a very strong portfolio at the parks and resorts level. We could show people the value we had created and said, here's what this could look like for you if we get these similar types of returns on your business. So we were we were lucky in that regard. And we'd also done a lot of hard work before we got there. There was also a piece of a lot of really good conversations of, okay, we didn't take three months to come back with any recommendations. We actually, there was a lot of communication along the way. Here's what we're doing. Here's what we're learning. Here's what we're working on next. And I found that if you lay that out to people and say, here's what it's going to take. Here's when I'm going to start delivering something to you. And here's how I'll communicate with you along the way. And you stick to that plan. They're okay with that. What people really struggle with in all of these spaces is either miss deadlines, I don't do what I said I was going to do, and they get impatient, or I overpromise value right, right away that I can't possibly deliver, uh, or I deliver something that makes no sense. That tends to make people a little impatient. Yeah, I think, you know, I think, you, I think you've highlighted some really, really relevant points. And you, know, you, you came from a place of you, you'd had ROI, you had results, people were already probably talking about you and your team. What's quite interesting is was you, you took them on a journey and you took them through the different milestones for, so people felt like they knew what they were doing. And for so much feedback I hear where data science or ML projects get dropped, it's the case of you're working on something that didn't make much of an impact, didn't clearly articulate um, the problem at hand, over blabbed on the tech speak rather than necessarily what the person, what, what was in it for them. Didn't come up with MVP and iterate and present back the small wins and then try to just check if everyone's still on the same pages. And then consequently, at the end of the cycle, people can feel very uh, resentful. They can feel like they've, they've driven less time than they had before. And bad news usually spreads faster uh, than, than good news um, as, as well. So that was a really, really a great, great example to, to share. Just kind of slightly moving gears at the moment, where do you see the, the kind of customer experience changing in the world of, of media and you know how AI is, is doing that? For an awful lot of us, we'll think of the Netflix type experience where there'll be recommendation engines that won't be 100% correct because there's obviously want to have a little bit of kind of sway either way to give us a better choice. But there's also you know, the element where people want that personalized response. They want it timely. They also don't, don't necessarily mind paying for it, but they want to get a really, really kind of a good service. Do you see the, the, the kind of content changing, how we digest the content, maybe some of the new introductions of applied AI to giving us a better experience? I think I do. I think there's an important thing to keep in mind for everybody in this space. And this is true for media. I think it's true for everybody else. There's an old saying that um, execution needs strategy for breakfast. And it's not saying that strategy is not important. It's just saying that the best strategy poorly executed won't be successful. 
I think of the same way when it comes to content or product, and that is uh, content eats uh, algorithms for breakfast. <laughs> Uh, it doesn't, if I've got nothing, if I've got a bunch of really bad content, it doesn't matter how many algorithms I have to recommend it to you, you're not going to like any of them. <laughs> so it all starts with good content and good creative. And the algorithms that help do those recommendations, I think, will be core and just become, quite frankly, table stakes to get me through this giant paradox of choice that's happening within the media space. And, and the more choices I get, the harder it is for me to make them. And I don't can't even find them. And so we're going to need those algorithms to help cut through that cluster. On the same frame, what we're starting to see in a really interesting way is the creative starting to embrace and understand how to use these tools like ML and AI to help them think about their content and think about it in a different way. Not in a, it's going to write the script for me way, which is always um, hard for everybody to not just buy into, but want to happen, especially if you're a writer or a creative. But in a way that helps me the same way um, the algorithm helps the consumer find the right thing, what can those algorithms, AI, kind of help uncover about how consumers are reacting to my content? A good example of that is a tool we developed at NBC Universal called Kronos. And Kronos is specifically designed to kind of measure how people react to content using a number of different signals, um, some syndicated, some private, about how people come in and out of the content and when they see something on the screen, do they leave or not? It's a hardcore signal, kind of like a giant dial test that the media has used for years, but a very strong signal to understand when I do this thing on the screen, do people tend to leave more than often or do they tend to stay more than better than often? And the first time we put this in practice was for the Rio Olympics, where we, we put it in play and tried to normalize by what day of the Olympic it was, what sport it was, what time of night it was, what channel it was. She so had a lot of work to kind of understand the true signals and strip out this true signal from the noise. When you did that, you saw some really interesting things about how you lead into commercials, how you lead out of commercials how you handle post-competition, how you handle the studio content, how you handle a lot of different creative elements. We took a set of those learnings coming out of Rio, worked with our uh, producers uh, on the Olympics, and Jim Bell, who ran it at the time, was very open to this, had some really great interaction uh, with that team and Mark Lazarus's team, and put a lot of those learnings into place for Pyeongchang, did the measurement on post and found that it drove over 2 billion incremental viewing minutes for the Pyeongchang Olympics, uh, which is a pretty big number for a property that's well touted for NBC Universal and Comcast worth over a billion dollars. So it's, it's a good example of how I think what's going to happen and how this will evolve is the creative will start to say, this is a really interesting tool. It's better than just somebody's opinion on what worked or didn't work. And it's better than using the broad, generalized KPIs where there's a million things going on, but it can really help me focus in specifically the elemental parts of what I'm doing and understand how consumers are reacting to them or which kind of consumers are reacting in which ways to help me start to tweak and make better content for that audience that I'm trying to appeal to.
Yeah, th those those numbers are, are pretty impressive, and you know it's it's interesting that you talked about kind of the execution. That's that's so important across so many different businesses. We're trying to get that right. If we just kind of close out in in the interview, Cameron. What advice would you offer to data scientists coming into the market? Um, you know, we kind of talk about the the fundamentals that they probably learn on the on the way in university or additional courses that they do maybe they could be cited a little bit kind of more closely onto the more math skills rather than maybe other dis disciplines would you offer any other advice on that and also kind of building confidence and kind of getting over the imposter syndrome yeah absolutely i'd say three things for the first question <clears throat> math skills algorithm skills tech skills are table stakes you got to come out with those and, and everybody expects you to have those. Um, you need to come out with three other skills that are going to be really important to you, if at all possible. One is go take a finance class, go take an accounting class, take a basic marketing class, get some base understanding of how businesses actually work. If, if you want to work in the business environment and how your key clients are making decisions and the kind of things they're thinking about. Number two, take some communication classes. Get better. You don't have to be perfect. Um, you don't have to be a great marketer because, quite frankly, you're probably not set up to do that if you're great at those other things. But hone off some of the rough edges to help you think about how you communicate what you're trying to do and, and why you're trying to do it. And then the third thing I'd recommend is take some good ER, HR management classes. Again, hone off some of those rough edges and learn what you want to go do. As you do that, you'll get smarter, you'll get more um, confident. Uh, and you mentioned, Mark, the imposter curve. And it is, it is tough because you always want to be confident. And I can't tell you the number of times in my career somebody said, hey, can you do that thing? And I've said, yes. And my team has said, how are we going to do it? And I said, I don't know, <laughs> but we'll figure it out. We've been there, all of us. <laughs> Yeah. And so, you know, success breeds confidence that you will figure it out. I may not understand everything about your business, but I will, if I surround myself with smart people, then smart people have this amazing talent for figuring stuff out. And you'll never be as confident as you need to be. And you don't want to be more confident than you should be, but you've always got to be willing to stretch beyond what you feel comfortable doing. Cameron, that's yeah, it's really it's really good advice, and it's it's quite um, you know, it's straightforward advice that people just need to work on, and it's like a skill. You know, no one's great at it straight away, but they need to be cognizant of some of the things that they need to do to de to develop that skill, and then become better at what they do uh, day to day. And it's it's I've seen how you've had important mentors throughout your career as well. You've been offering very good advice today. Our guest today has been Cameron Davis. Cameron is the former SVP Corporate Decision Scientist for NBC Universal. Uh, thank you very much for your time today, Cameron. Thank you, Mark. I enjoyed it. Get the Aldous advantage. Become a member of the Aldous community and enjoy some of the following. AI meetups. Once a month, our community gathers to listen to some of the leading experts in the world of data science and AI. Our speakers come from all over the world, including Dublin, Boston and Frankfurt. We also have our AI mentors. Our experts will provide mentoring to all us members. And don't forget our AI in Action podcast. Each week, we have guests from all over the world talking us through their education, career and more. Become an Aldous member and get the Aldous advantage. For more information and to sign up for our newsletter, log on to www.aldous.com. 
That's www.aldus.com. Aldus International, empowering through AI.